Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Hey, thank you for joining us here on AOA, Agriculture of America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have another busy show lined up for you here today as we talk about issues impacting rural America. Coming up here in just a moment, we're going to talk markets with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Later in the show, in segment four, we'll get a preview of Husker Harvest Days coming up next week in Grand Island, Nebraska, with show manager Matt Youngman. In segment three, we're going to talk with the CEO of the American Carbon Alliance, Tom Bias, and we're going to get the uh, rundown on what the American Carbon Alliance does, and also we'll get their view on carbon capture pipelines and much more, a pretty hot topic right now in rural America. And also in segment two today, we're going to have a conversation with the CEO of Growth Energy, Emily Score, surrounding some of the latest details with E15 and much more. That is all on the way here today on AOA. Well, kicking things off on today's program, let's take a look at the market trade. Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, is joining me here today. And Jim, hope you're doing well. Markets feel a a little quiet here. It kind of Almost feels like we're gearing up already for that WASDI report coming up next week. It's definitely a very quiet trade today, Jesse. Down a little bit just on the corn and wheat. Beans a little bit disappointing, I'm sure, for the market bulls, giving back most of, if not all, of yesterday's gains. But, yeah, it's a very quiet trade right now, and it definitely definitely seems like the trade's doing a little bit of positioning for that all-important number on next Tuesday. Let's talk about that a little bit because I I feel like this September number could provide us with plenty of surprises. I don't know. That's my prevailing gut feeling right now. What are you thinking as you and your team have been looking at some of the pre-report estimates and watching the charts and the fundamentals here in the grain, especially corn and soybeans with a very tight balance sheet on the bean side? What's your thoughts heading into that report? Well, we... We do believe the number is going to get a little bit smaller. And I think, you know, the trade, you know, we're down a little bit. I think right now, Jesse, probably because we're a little bit disappointed, maybe. The average trade guess came in at 173.5 from close from most of the industry. We're right in that line with that number. I think there was a few people hoping to be below 170. The low end of the range is 171.5. It may be that low. That crop may be below 170. I just don't think they're going to go that aggressive in September, plain and simple. Uh, the beans, average guess is 50.1. I think there's a lot of trades thinking this crop could easily be below 50 when it's all said and done. So maybe a little bit disappointing on what the, uh, you know, that maybe the the average guess wasn't as bullish as people were maybe thinking it would be. But hey, this is going to be an interesting number. The USDA's got a tough task ahead of us. That three, four-week span we've had since mid-August till right now when they're kind of gathering that data has been some of the hottest, driest on record. It's not how this you want to see this crop finish out. A lot of the crop died instead of dried down, and uh, I think it's going to set up for volatility on the number next week, then again in October when we have the actual field results. Well, Jim, as well, you know, to your point there with getting a number below 170 in corn, I would have to think with how how big that balance sheet is on the corn side, it would take a number well south of 170 to really – really be seen and heard by the trade, so to speak. Would you agree? 
I would agree. I think if you got to yield down to 170, I think you would push the corn market up. We're at 485 today. I think it would probably get you back over five, maybe as high as 525. There's a gap to fill at 525. But the reality is we've got a 2.2 billion bushel carryout. You've got a demand that's 425 million year-on-year increase on the export side. Exports have been struggling. They're going to continue to struggle due to uh, low river levels in the U.S. as well as in Panama. So there's room for the crop to get smaller than demand gets smaller. So that carryout's going to stay relatively comfortable. Beans, on the other hand, if you would drop that bean yield below 50, say go 49, 48. Now, we don't think they'll go that low this time around, but let's say it ends up near 48. The balance sheet in beans is so much more tighter. Demand is already, export demand is already lower than it was a year ago. So the government doesn't have a whole lot of room to maneuver unless they find bean acres, and that could force the bean market into a sharply a sharp move higher, I should say, and maybe up toward, let's say, 15. If beans would make an explosive, explosive move up to 15, and let's say crude oil works up to, toward 90 because the Saudis and the Russians keep cutting production, that could give the, coat, the corn a little bit more coattails to ride, maybe a little bit higher, higher than you would expect. Well, Jim, you mentioned how rough demand has been, and I know uh, Conab raised Brazil's corn production number here uh, as we are, are working through this week ahead of the USDA report next week, and have to think that uh, you know more corn on the world market there from Brazil is not going to help uh, the U.S. demand picture much, is it? It is not, and we're going to continue to struggle. And like I said, I well, we are finally Jesse just getting somewhat price competitive around the world. And then all of a sudden, the river level is just in free fall. It's like deja vu from a year ago. As that river level goes into free fall, you can't ship as much down. What you do ship down to the Gulf gets more, much more expensive. And now the other problem might be compounding it. You've got the drought going on in Panama. It's costing up to $10 a ton to get grain above and beyond premium to get the grain through the Panama Canal. So we lose that price competitiveness, and that continues to keep the Asian demand away from our market and into Brazil's market. So uh, it's something we need to be concerned about. I mean, that's why I think corn, we could get a rebound. But if you're looking for what could be more bullish and bearish, I got to believe the beans have the more potential bullish explosive balance sheet than the corn does by far. We're talking with Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Jim, real quick before we run out of time in this segment, livestock trade, uh, decent uh, day in cattle and hogs here on Thursday, and and really just uh, overall looking for some positive cash activity, it seems like, to round out the holiday-shortened week. What's your thoughts on the proteins? Yeah, that's what good cash is what we're looking for. The charts look really good on the on the corn. You broke out of, or excuse me, the cattle. You broke out to the down uh, out of the down downtrend line. It's a very good sign technically. Fundamentally, though, it's the same argument, Jesse. We've got a very tight supply. We know it. The question is how much could a consumer be willing to spend? All there's a lot of red flags in the economy. Consumer debt. You've got, um, you know, essentially the repayments for the student loans kicking in. That could cap this market and in general keep us more of a sideways trading range. Crude oil as well, getting back up around that $90 handle. Uh, are, are you worried uh, about that level, price level, impacting things negatively, or is that supportive here to grains and livestock, Jim? It's mixed. On the livestock, it's negative. You're spending more to fill your car up. You don't have as much money to spend. That may take you away from going out to eat or maybe moving down the food instead of eating beef, maybe eat chicken. That's the negative side. On the positive side, you got crude oil going up. That is always good for the ethanol industry. It keeps the ethanol industry profitable, which is going to help the demand for this corn, which we need because of the lack of exports. And then lastly, in the broad picture, 
Look at cocoa. Look at sugar. Look at these other softs. They're trading extremely high. Now you've got crude oil going higher. You've got a food inflation place starting to show up. You've got crude energy inflation starting to pick up. That could just drive investor money into all the commodities, corn, beans, wheat, cattle, you name it, as an inflation play comes back into fold. The Fed's trying to kill off inflation by raising interest rates. They can do that. That'll slow down housing. That'll slow down cars. But it's hard to slow down food and energy because the Saudis are working against us in the energy and the food. Reality is Mother Nature is just not working for the world, and food supplies are getting tight. The demand staying strong as a whole. Well, folks can learn more, find their latest research, and more online, agmarket.net. Jim McCormick with agmarket.net. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, coming up next, Jim mentioned it costing a bit more to fill up your gas tank. Well, we're going to talk about it, maybe a cheaper fuel alternative. What's the latest on E15? Emily Score, CEO of Growth Energy, joins us next here on AOA. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. 
a message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America. Joining us now on the program, pleased to have a conversation with her, Emily Score, the CEO of Growth Energy. Emily, it's great to talk with you again. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well, Jesse. Great talking with you. Well, let's dive in, talk about some of the things we're watching uh, with Growth Energy on the ethanol and biofuel side here. And I know uh, a lot going on still. E15 is a big issue, and I want to start there. Trying to get year-round E15. I know we have the Midwest governor's petitions uh, that have been in the news once again. Get us up to speed. What is the latest on this potential for year-round E15 and not having to have an emergency waiver in place every single year? Well, I will say we are making progress. Uh, Getting year-round E15 remains top of mind for our members of Congress and for our state governors as well. And there's two pathways in play right now. So let's talk first and foremost about a federal fix that would allow E15 to be sold in all 50 states year-round permanently. We've got three bills that have been introduced in Congress this year, two in the Senate, one in the House. You know, we're closer than ever before to a national legislative fix because our, our, our senators and our representatives, they want to get this done. They understand we've had two summers of emergency waivers coming out of the administration, and we're, you know, we're unlikely to get a third. So we've got bills working, and I think both Republicans and Democrats are incredibly committed to, like, let's work together. Let's finally get this done. We at Growth Energy actually have a fly-in in a couple weeks, mid-September, and this is one of the top things that we're going to be talking about, reinforcing the importance of why we need year-round E15. Now, if we don't get that, um, or even, you know, while that's in play, so the other avenue is, yeah, you talked about eight Midwest governors sent a, a letter to EPA in 2022, essentially saying, we want to opt out of your RVP program so we can sell E15 and E10 on parity the same year round. Um, EPA came out with her proposal to accept that. So you can't just opt out. EPA has to allow you to do that. So EPA came out with a proposal in March. Uh, we are expecting to see some final rulemaking out of the agency by the end of the year. That would allow those states to sell E15 next summer. That's great news. The challenge, however, is if you add those states um, plus kind of certain areas of the country where you can do this, a reformulated gasoline market, that's only about 60% of our E15 stores. We still have 40% that would be stranded, Mm -hmm. which is why we're working so hard on that federal fix. But those are the two avenues in play. And and the industry is working incredibly hard to to see whatever can move uh, first. Well, I think about this, it all comes back to choice at the pump, right, Emily? I mean, it's it's about savings at the pump and choice at the pump and getting year-round E15 is so crucial on both of those avenues, isn't it? You're absolutely right. This is about giving drivers choices and affordable choices. If, if the drivers could use E15, they would save $20 billion in annual fuel costs. Every time you put E15 in your car, you're saving money relative to standard E10 that's offered. So, you know, this past summer, you know, we ran a study and we looked at actual fuel prices. The average is about 15 cents savings per gallon. That's a lot of money 
for hardworking Americans across the country. So this isn't just about the biofuel industry. This isn't just about the American farmer, both of whom benefit from this. This is about the American driver being able to put the fuel choice that they want into their automobile. And I would have to think as well as we move forward, uh, we'll continue to watch this and see what we can get done. And, you know, I know there's been some myths out there versus facts, but you guys have done a great job there at Growth Energy to kind of dispel a lot of those myths about E15 and really show just how good it is for the environment and how well it works in our new newer vehicles that have the flex fuel type of capabilities, et cetera, right? You're right. There is a lot of misinformation. So, you know, ethanol is better than it's it's cleaner for the environment than gasoline. Yeah. All right. 50% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Now, if you add just 5% more ethanol, you are going to emit about 50% less particulate matter than E10. That's how much that's how clean ethanol is. So just a little bit more, it's going to burn cleaner and cooler for the car. It's more affordable for the pocketbook. It's it's better for the environment in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, carbon monoxide emissions, and so forth. And E15 can be used in 96% of cars on the road today. It's, it's you know, basically a universal fuel that most every consumer can use. Let's talk the uh, renewable fuel standard here a little bit, Emily, as well. I know continuing to watch that front and, of course, you know, E15 roped underneath the, the RFS discussion as a whole, I would imagine. But obviously, this has been an ongoing issue, uh, some battles back and forth with EPA. They've done some good things with the small refinery exemption waivers, taking some of those off the table. But on the flip side, I know, obviously, watching some of the levels and uh, that are in the RFS and more. Well, what's some of the ongoing latest just surrounding the renewable fuel standard as a whole? You know, there is always ongoing fights in terms of defending the strength of the RFS in the courts. You're right. EPA, this, this administration has really done right by us with respect to, to the renewable fuel standard. We are at that kind of 15 billion gallon um, target. In terms of blending, they've nearly eradicated the use of small refinery exemptions, and appropriately so. What we have to do and where growth energy is really involved right now is defending those good decisions at the EPA. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that the oil industry will continue to do anything it can to get out of its obligation to blend low-carbon, low-cost renewable fuel. So they are suing EPA uh, for denying these small refinery exemptions. They're suing EPA for denying them, but giving them an extended compliance period. I mean, EPA, even when EPA is trying to help them comply, they're still suing the agency. So what we're doing at, at Growth Energy is we are intervening to defend. So just in the past month, in, a, in, in probably a half a dozen lawsuits, we have intervened to defend EPA on the environmental strength of the renewable fuel standard, on the fact that, that denying the SREs is the right thing to do and it's following the law. So we're going to be vigilant. We're going to do that. If, if the rule is going to be challenged in court, we're going to be there to defend it alongside the agency. Emily, as well, uh, anything else you want to mention? I know we've been watching some of the uh, IRA funds and more and impacts in agriculture there. Uh, anything going on with the, that side of the equation? We talked the Inflation Reduction Act. Absolutely. And, you know, this is the exciting, uh, this, this is the, 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 the road ahead for us as an industry for biofuel producers and farmers alike, because there's so much benefit to be gained. So we, we, we were able to secure some really good tax credits um, in the Inflation Reduction Act. But what's really important is as IRS implements those and they put it into the tax code, they've got to get it right. 
couple fundamental things. They've got to make sure that the modeling for carbon reduction accurately reflects all the innovation taking place on the farm, all the innovation taking place at the plant. So it includes technologies like carbon capture and sequestration, climate smart agriculture. There's one model that does that. This comes out of the Department of Energy and the shorthand is GREET. So we have been working with our legislative champions to really implore Treasury as you come out with the details of the tax code and the guidelines, you've got to use this modeling to get it right for us so we can maximize our benefits. And actually, we, we recently released a study on the economic benefits of 45Z, which is the Clean Fuel Production Tax Credit. It's a technology neutral tax credit. Whatever you do to reduce the carbon intensity of your fuel, you're going to get a tax credit. So that's something that's terrific for, for biofuels terrific for rural America. So according to our research, so this just this this tax credit would provide 21 billion in GDP to the US economy. All right, that's nearly 13 billion in household income. We're talking about just shy of 200,000 jobs, but here's the exciting part. We're talking about a 10% premium for farmers growing low carbon intensity corn. And that's what farmers need to see. It's got to make economic sense for them to to employ more low carbon practices. And so, you know, this tax credit is something that I think is an opportunity for the entire value chain to feel some benefit. But, you know, the government's got to get it right. So that's the conversation that's taking place in Washington right now. Well, Emily, uh, before we let you go here real quick, uh, we got about a minute before we hit our break. Anything else on your mind or on the mind of the folks there at Growth Energy that we're keeping an eye on right now? You know, it's exciting times for the industry. So we're very excited. You know, my members, they're all making terrific investments and and optimizing in terms of their potential to really participate in a green economy. And in doing so to make for a a more robust bioeconomy, we're excited. Congress is back in session this week. So we're going to get back to those conversations in that dialogue to make sure that we've got the policy that allows us to really move forward as an industry. Well, with that, we appreciate the time. The CEO of Growth Energy, Emily Score, thanks so much for joining us on AOA today. We'll get you back on the show again soon. Thank you. And we do appreciate the time once again with Emily Score, the CEO of Growth Energy. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit with the American Carbon Alliance, a newly formed organization serving to be a a unified voice, so to speak, for carbon capture pipelines and more. We're going to dive into this divisive carbon capture issue, a pipeline issue, at least across much of the Midwest, and get some thoughts and perspective from Tom Bias. He is the CEO of the American Carbon Alliance, former CEO of Growth Energy, so a little continuity here. We're going to talk to Tom coming up here after this timeout. We'll be back with more on AOA right after the break. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416. 
for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and oil seeds are under pressure today, except for Minneapolis spring wheat. Kansas City wheat is under the most pressure currently. Livestock is higher with hogs leading the charge there. Now, StoneX released results of its latest customer survey yesterday afternoon. They're pegging this year's corn crop at 175 bushels per acre and the soybean crop at 50.1 bushels per acre. Now, that's toward the top end of the estimates coming out ahead of next week's USDA WASDE crop report. Now, we have to keep in mind that this year is likely a year with a wide range of variability in crop yields. And in fact, corn yields ahead of next week's report have roughly a 10 bushel range to them. That's an incredible range for September, but it's really not a surprise. The seed size will be a major determining factor in the final yield. Now, August weather was split with the first half very mild and the second half extremely hot. Mild conditions tend to give larger than normal seed size, resulting in surprisingly high yields, while heat combined with dryness tends to do the opposite. Now, the best guess here is that we will see smaller seed size for both corn and beans, but we really won't know until the harvest gets done. USDA's field sampling should give us an idea of the trend, but the numbers in the October report will have a better handle on how this year shakes down. The forecast ahead is leaning mostly mild and dry for the central corn belt, with some shower activity likely to hit the southern plains and the far western plains. El Nino is just getting started in Australia, and traders are fearful that Australian drought will expand. Australian wheat production is expected to be down 36% from a year ago at 25.4 million metric tons. Now in Brazil, the opposite problem exists. Too much rain with flooding rains in Paraná and Rio Grande do Sul. Now in the last three days, rain totals range from 4 to 12 inches. The forecast for the next 10 days has a projection of an additional 4 to 10 inches of rain. Quality issues are the concern here. Brazil is slated to export 3.5 million metric tons, but this could also be a boon for U.S. hard red winter exports. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Jesse Allen back with you. Well, joining us now, we want to talk with the CEO of the American Carbon Alliance. Tom Bias is with us here on the show today. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on AOA. How are you? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, I appreciate the time. And let's just for starters, can you give us a little bit of background on the American Carbon Alliance, uh, just for folks who may not be aware of ACA and what you guys do? Yeah, we created this alliance just uh, not too long ago, a couple months ago, because of the concern out there that there's a lot of debate about carbon capture and sequestration and what it can do for uh, in rural America, but there's not much talk about the benefits of it. A lot of criticism based on, you know, uh, whether it's eminent domain issues or uh, safety issues that you know, are often not even a major factor, but they make, they make good uh, good headlines. But the real important part, Jesse, uh, is the potential benefits to rural America. You're talking about the farmers and higher corn prices. You're talking about the ethanol plants uh, in expanding their markets into sustainable aviation fuels. And, of course, rural communities where uh, these plants and, and farmers operate and the the jobs, the spinoff activity, uh, is just tremendous. Well, Tom, you mentioned uh, talking about and touting some of the benefits of carbon capture and more. I know there's quite a few members of the alliance that folks will recognize, Growth Energy, Renewable Fuels Association, American Coalition for Ethanol, a few different state associations as well. Uh, talk about some of those benefits for us. In, in your guys's view there at ACA, uh, can you uh, just give us uh, some details on a few of the, the benefits that we could see? Yeah, Jesse, uh, most of the studies that have been done on the benefits to farmers are, you know, anywhere from 25 cents to 70 cents a, a bushel for the price of corn as you move into sustainable aviation fuel production. Just for the overall ethanol industry, the sustainable aviation fuel market is about $100 billion a year. And for us to qualify as ethanol as a feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel, we have to lower our carbon index. Capturing the carbon at the plants, which is uh, very simple to do, uh, and uh, processing it, uh, liquefying it, putting it in a pipeline uh, is probably the most efficient manner out there and something that's going to give a market for ethanol into the future. The airline industry has to have uh, produce, their target is 3 billion gallons by 2025. And that market probably isn't going to happen without a more widely available feedstock. That's where ethanol comes in. But ethanol won't qualify if we don't lower the carbon index. Capturing the carbon at the plants cuts our uh, uh, cuts our carbon score down uh, to where we would qualify. Well, Tom, we got to talk on the negative side here a little bit. As uh, you alluded to earlier, there are uh, a lot of folks out across rural America that not too happy about some of these pipelines uh, being proposed to be built. Just this week, the South Dakota Public Utilities Commission unanimously denied Navigator CO2's project permit application as part of the Heartland Greenway system. We've seen similar action in North Dakota. I know there's been a lot of talk amongst folks in Iowa as well. So what is your response to some of this pushback 
across uh, many of the states here in the Midwest where some of these carbon capture pipelines are being proposed to be built? Well, I think a lot of the feedback is based on this is something new. Uh, there's inherent fear in new stuff. And until people get educated about what this actually does and how safe it is to put it in uh, pipelines that are buried at least uh, four feet deep, uh, that uh, most modern technology ever, I, I think there's going to be concerns. And, that, and, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to get out there and talk about the benefits. There's plenty of people that just want to say no to anything and everything. And in fact, you know, that occurred when we first started the ethanol industry, which has transformed rural America and farm uh, farmers, a uh, double of their farm income in the last 20 years uh, uh, from that new market. And that's what we're missing going forward here is a new uh, ready domestic demand uh, for corn moving forward. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of people going to raise the concerns about eminent domain and, and all those issues, which uh, I think uh, most people sit down with the uh, pipeline companies, and, and there's like three of them out there that, that I'm aware of, uh, they could probably work out any differences they have. All three of them uh, have promised that uh, farmers guarantee farmers yield uh, so it won't be disruptive. Uh, like I said, they're uh, very modern, um, and the carbon dioxide that goes into them uh, is easily, like I said, easily processed and easily transported. If you don't ship the ethanol around out of the Midwest into areas where you have geological formations that can control it, uh, that can store it, like North Dakota or Illinois, you have a whole group of ethanol plants there in the middle that are not going to be uh, competitive moving forward. We're talking with the CEO of the American Carbon Alliance, Tom Bias, here on AOA Today. Tom, with, with some of those roadblocks that are in, in front of uh, some of these carbon capture pipeline projects right now that, uh, that I mentioned that we were talking about, does this, uh, in your view, what you've heard, does this push back the timeline more and more? I mean, I know obviously dealing with some of these different legal challenges and commissions and et cetera, it uh, seems like that could push back the timeline here on things a little bit. What's the current state of things as, as you see them right now? Are we kind of pushing back the timeline and building some of these pipelines? Well, you know, you never know how much uh, all the latest headlines are going to delay the projects. But I think the pipeline companies uh, will work with these uh, public utility uh, commissions and others uh, to to make the changes ne necessary uh, to move forward. Um, and, you know, as long as people are talking, there's probably some solutions out there. Uh, you know, I remember, uh, Jesse, I'm, uh, I'm pretty old, you know, uh, in my 70s. But when I was a little kid, I remember they, they were building the interstate highway system in, near my farm in Indiana. And I went with my parents to this big meeting, and they were up in arms, right? They didn't want this, this highway, but there was nothing they could do about stopping the highway. But they were successful in stopping and putting an interchange in near our community. Well, a few years after that uh, interstate got built and operated, 
uh, guess what? The businesses in our community died up. We lost our school. At insult to injury, they took it down one of our two stop signs. And it was like everybody was happy. They won and stopping it, but what they didn't realize was moving forward. And I think a lot of that same thing is going on here because people don't realize that uh, uh, around the world, there's a carbon market. And that uh, someone's going to fill that carbon market. And so are we going to give it to Brazil or other countries? Or are we going to do it uh, here in rural America? And we certainly don't want that opportunity to pass rural America's opportunity to, to, to participate. Well, Tom, how would you encourage folks to learn more and get educated on these issues so so folks can have a an honest and frank, good old-fashioned Midwest conversation, as I like to call it, about this issue? Because it, it is very divisive, I, I know, across much of rural America. Could they go online to the AmericanCarbonAlliance.org website to find some details or are there other avenues for folks to maybe learn more about some of the uh, facts and myths and more about carbon capture pipelines, et cetera? Yeah, they can go to AmericanCarbonAlliance.org. Uh, we have materials on there. They can go to any of the uh, ethanol com- uh, organizations, Growth Energy, ACE, Renewable Fuels Association. They can go to the pipeline companies and, and probably find a lot of details. Um, or they can just pick up the phone and call us, and I, I'd be glad to steer anyone anywhere uh, uh, for the information they need. Because that's the key: is, is is people making decisions based upon facts, not fear, uh, but facts. Well, Tom, before we let you go, uh, anything else you'd want to add to folks listening in and uh, as part of this carbon capture pipeline discussion, anything else you'd want to maybe add to that last point or reiterate to them? No, there's a couple other key decisions that are going to come affecting the industry. One is the modeling on what determines uh, a person or a company's carbon index. And that's going to take place in Washington, certainly with um, the decision by the administration that's expected this fall. And that would be on what's called the GREET model uh, versus an international model that's not as up to date. And obviously, we're pushing for that GREET model because uh, uh, it's more accurate. It was created by the Department of Energy, and uh, we, we think that's the best way to go. Well, with that, we appreciate the time. The CEO of the American Carbon Alliance, Tom Bias. Tom, thanks for the time today. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse. Glad to be on. And again, you can learn more at AmericanCarbonAlliance.org. All right, coming up next, we're going to get a preview of Husker Harvest Days with show manager Matt Youngman. That's on the way after this here on Agriculture of America, AOA. We'll be back with more right after this. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. 
We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the Foundation Foundation Fighting Fighting Blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything, helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours, at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people, a neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? 
Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, it feels like we just uh, wrapped up the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois here just yesterday is what it feels like because it was just about a week ago. Uh, but turning right around, I feel like our next guest is probably uh, the busiest person in agriculture between August 1st and September 15th because he's uh, packing up the Farm Progress Show and heading to Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska. Show manager Matt Youngman is with us. Matt, it's good to talk with you again, and I'm sure things are well underway, preparations for Husker Harvest Days. They certainly are. I'm actually sitting here at the show office watching equipment file in the, we've got a big parking lot here with a bunch of detaches that are pulling equipment off and a lot of it coming from decatur and headed here or coming from factories and headed here but the show site is, is filling up as we speak well husker harvest day september 12th through the 14th in grand island nebraska matt walk us through some of the uh highlights what could folks expect for this year's husker harvest days well, everything is coming together really well. Even the forecast looks good. It looks like we're going to have another three beautiful days for the show like we had in Decatur. Uh, the, the corn crop for the field demonstrations is in great shape. We just fired combines yesterday, and, and the first corn coming off is testing about 18, 18 and a half. So that's, that sets us up for, for really good harvesting demonstrations. Um, we've got all the stuff out in the field going on that you, you come to expect harvest, corn harvesting, tillage, uh, hay tools running with balers, rakes, and swathers. Uh, we've got all the autonomous demonstrations, sprayer drones running, uh, uh, lots of lots of sprayers and ride and drive opportunities in, in several different machines, including the new side-by-side from Polaris, the new 1500, and the new side-by-side from, from Kawasaki. Uh, another another cool thing that, that we're really excited about is is the all-american farmstead that chief has built it's all brand new and beautiful they've got a home and a gorgeous new shop and a grain handling system there they've, they've really upped their game at the show and, and we're really really excited with the investments that they've made to, to really showcase you know make, make a beautiful showcase there inside the show site well, Matt, I know uh, when we were talking about the Farm Progress show, a lot of companies wait to kind of pull the tarps back and unveil new equipment during uh, the Farm Progress show, and then they bring a lot of that equipment to Husker Harvest Days. Are there any companies, you mentioned Chief with the Farmstead there, are there any companies that are going to be unveiling new equipment here for the first time at Husker Harvest Days? Well, I think it's it's everybody's opportunity to see all that stuff for the first time in person. The, Case is bringing their Case IH has their their new 715 here. Actually, a couple of them. Uh, the Big Bud is here. That that came together real late, and that was that was kind of a surprise. Titan uh, worked with Titan and Graham Tire to get to get that new Big Bud in place. It's it's already here and and shined up and, and looking great. And then you know the new the new autonomous product from Raven on their path to autonomy is is going to be here and demonstrating. So 
yeah, all that new stuff. And then, and then a lot of the irrigation folks, I don't know of anything specifically, but a lot of irrigation folks, this is the big show for row crop irrigation. And, and there will be irrigation technologies unveiled here on, on Tuesday morning that, that, that all of them are going to have something new to offer their growers. And that's a great aspect of Husker Harvest Days, Matt, that you mentioned is uh, all the irrigated, um, you know, crop that's out there for demonstrations and more. And that provides a, a different perspective for some folks as they maybe are, are traveling out to the show there in Grand Island, isn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's what sets Husker Harvest Days apart. It, it is the, the Western Corn Belt show. So as you would expect, it is heavy on row crop irrigation and heavy on beef. You know, we have all the all the breed groups here as well as as that whole northwest quarter of the show site is is all livestock handling equipment and and feed and supplies and 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 things that are related to to cow calf operations and feedlot operations so you know there there are there are companies here that that a lot of midwest uh, you know eastern corn belt central corn belt uh cattlemen may not may not have heard of so it's kind of a it's a bucket list item for for a farmer like me from illinois well, I'm sure folks are thinking about headed out to Husker Harvest Days again, September 12th through the 14th, Grand Island, Nebraska. Uh, I'm sure tickets, all the info about parking, et cetera, all of that's available still online, isn't it, Matt? It, it is. You can buy advanced tickets just as you're at a discount as you're walking up to the gate on, on show day. You can do it on your phone. And, and everything else you need to know, is there at huskerharvestdays.com. There's also a really useful app that helps get you around. It's it's a pretty big place, so uh, good to have good to have some some wayfinding to to get yourself through the event. And you know the show program is there. Everything everything you need to know is is there on the website. And again, that website huskerharvestdays.com. And you mentioned the app, but I know you guys had that app for the Farm Progress Show as well. And I'll give a plug there for you guys, Matt. Uh, the development of uh, those apps really makes it easy to kind of navigate your way around the grounds each and every day. I think that was a really cool thing you guys did there, Matt. And the good thing about that is a lot of times apps don't work too well if the cell phone towers are jammed, but this one works without without you know any cell coverage. So uh, it 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 stays live and does a good job and shows you where you are on the map and and it's it it, it is real handy. We are we're certainly proud of that app. Well, Matt, before we let you go, anything final you want to mention about Husker Harvest Days as folks are making preparations to be there with you guys in Grand Island, Nebraska? It's going to be three beautiful days and, and an exhibit field full. The food is excellent. All these school groups that do my food service, they kind of compete with each other for who's got the best sandwiches, and, and it's it's the best food at any farm show that I've ever been to. So, uh, you know, take bring everybody out one last run before you climb in the combine for six, eight weeks and, and, and rest and relax and enjoy the show. Next week, September 12th through the 14th, Tuesday through Thursday, Grand Island, Nebraska. It is Husker Harvest Days. Again, learn more online, huskerharvestdays.com. With that show manager, Matt Youngman. Matt, thanks for the time, and we'll uh, wish you the best of luck with the show. I know it'll go off without a hitch, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Really appreciate you. Matt Youngman, show manager for Husker Harvest Days. Again, coming up here next week in Grand Island, Nebraska. Well, we're out of time here on AOA Today. Coming up on our next program, we are going to have a conversation with 
the ranking member of the Senate Agriculture Committee, Arkansas Senator John Bozeman. We'll talk markets with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics, and we'll get an update on the federal milk marketing order hearing with Stephen Kane from the National Milk Producers Federation. That's all the time we have for AOA today. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments and ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Give to the V Foundation. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. 100% of your donation goes directly to game-changing research. 100%. Donate at V.org. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 